Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! horror movie night this week we are talking about a movie that is no surprise to anybody was picked by brian uh, a movie that has no title card at the front of the movie just a whole bunch of credits it's almost like they wanted to save the big twist <laughs> so they didn't want to give it away when you were sitting in your double feature we're watching werewolves on wheels brian yes. how about i mean you've told us about this movie before but why did you pick this movie so fun fact this movie was uh, my what did I watch the first time I had ever guessed it on this show. Arcade. Yeah. Arcade. So I had just bought Shutter, and um, I bought a bunch of t-shirts from the local boogeyman. And the cover of this film was one of the movies, was one of the t-shirts that I owned. So I was like, let me just watch it. And it was terrible. And then I... <laughs> I picked it for this, and then I was like, you know what? I'm glad that I picked this because this movie rocks, dude. I don't know what mindset I was in. I think I was going through a breakup, so I wasn't happy about anything. But this movie's awesome, in my opinion. <laughs> so I agree and disagree at the exact same time. I feel like this movie represents so much of what I hate, hate, hate about like 60s avant-garde filmmaking. You know what I mean? Like, this is trying so hard to be Easy Rider in, like, its opening credit sequence. And, like, it's just long, drawn-out shots of guys on motorcycles with just some, like, rock music playing beneath them. But 
it also is like everything I love about terrible exploitation movies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you were to look up exploitation in the dictionary, you would get the description of what exploitation is. And that's basically how you would summarize werewolves on wheels. Fun fact. And I wish I had a better memory. Last week I was watching American Grindhouse, a documentary. Yeah. It's a great doc. It's a um, very good doc. Easy Rider was an exploitation film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it was exploiting a bigger it was it was an exploitation of a bigger film but for whatever reason easy rider just became the film of that generation yeah they were they were piggybacking off like the motorcycle trends of movies mm -hmm. but yeah they did it in like it was way more of like the stoner 60s version of it there's a name that's in this movie that uh like rocked me to my core when i saw that they were one of the cast members <laughs> Do either of you know who Barry McGuire is? No, no only Manilow. He, just nice. He's just one of the he's one of the bikers in this movie, but he is a one hit wonder from the sixties. Uh, he's the guy who wrote and performed Eve of Destruction. That, what? Tell me over and over and over again, my friend. Yeah, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. After that, after that single, he became an actor, and his first movie was Werewolves. <laughs> if if became an actor, you mean tried to act? Yeah, appeared in. I, I mean, hey, I don't know which biker he actually was. So who knows? He could have been the one that was good at acting. <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm gonna pick like um, the captain or Dr. Caligari or, uh, or the Hunchback of Notre Dame one week. I'm gonna pick some silent horror just because I'm convinced that Matt is going to find a way to sing on that episode. Oh, dude, even if we pick time. a movie with no <laughs> with no dialogue. Even if even if Barry Maguire wasn't in there, I may have <laughs> I may have a joke written down somewhere in my notes that requires singing anyway. So I do like the names of uh of the characters in this um which I noticed when Jade started watching like coronavirus videos in the living room, so I had to turn the subtitles on. Um, the guy who is able to tell the future, uh, his name is Tarot, and it's spelled T A R O T. Which I <laughs> oh my god! Was <laughs> so you know what my favorite thing about Tarot is is that he sets this movie in motion because he's giving them all these different tarot cards, and then he put throws down the David Bowie card to let them know that at some point they're going to go through some ch ch ch, -ch changes oh, There it is. <laughs> all right, I think my Wi-Fi's acted up again. I... <laughs> my favorite thing with those tarot cards, though, is there's a shot where he holds up two cards, and they look like Brian could have drawn those tarot cards. Like, they're just like children's drawings with marker. It's like, oh, the tower and the devil cards. So, Matt, would you say that they are terrible? Oh! <laughs> Man, I'm Boom. loving this episode. There it is. Uh, so let's talk about the exploitation aspect of this movie, which is that early on in the movie, Shirley, I believe her name is, uh, lifts up her shirt to expose Oh my her god. Shirt, and they are out for a very long time. Like, we cut away to the tarot card reading and cut back, and her boobs are still out. I know. Jade said that we only watch perverted films. <laughs> well, no, not wrong. you only pick perverted films. You're like, well, it's only when it's movies I pick, actually. That is not true. <laughs> hey, there was zero boobs in Alligator 2. <laughs> yeah, well. I wasn't on that episode. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh the maybe perversion. there's... 
That's the reason <laughs> why he didn't want to be on the episode. Like, but that's no the thing. About. I got nothing. No, no I wasn't on the show yet. And I've been on the show <laughs> no, for Alligator no, 2. Alligator 2, we recorded last week while you were busy uh, shooting stuff in Atlanta. We were joined yeah. by Kyle. Yeah, I was busy <laughs> shooting Alligator 3, weirdly <laughs> enough. <laughs> so the director of this movie... Here, are you? Are we still talking about the, the, the boobs scene? <laughs> I mean, we still are. I just, I, I just saw this note, and this is very interesting to me, is that the director of this movie ended up getting into a career in art direction instead. Like, he didn't direct a whole lot of movies beyond this, but he was the art director for not one, but two movies that are horror movie night classics. He did the art direction for The Incredible Melting Man. Oh, man. And Phantom of the Paradise. Now, that's the one that I'm impressed by. Yeah. (laughs) It's not just her boobs that are predominant in this movie. There's a lot. Of boobs oh yeah the other well no like i want to talk about specifically that scene shelly right yeah that her boyfriend i guess he calls her his mom and i was very confused and disturbed when his mom flashed her boobs to this guy who was supposed to be like mentally handicapped correct yeah it's so i i said this to brian i, I sent brian a list uh this weekend because one of the IMDb fun facts was like Rob Zombie sampled this song in the beginning of Dragula, which is not accurate. That's he, he sampled a completely different movie in the beginning of Dragula, but he did sample this movie in one of his songs. Uh, and I'm sure that this is a movie he loves because it feels very similar to like the mentally handicapped gas station employee at the beginning of House of a Thousand Corpses type. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just. I can see the similarities there, but yeah, it's a very uncomfortable, not, we've said this before, there are movies where there are nude scenes and they are intended to like titillate and, and all that stuff, but this, um, (laughs) (laughs) but this is, uh, this is, uh, this is more in that uncomfortable category most of the time. One of the things that, there's two things that make it uncomfortable. One is that it is the guy's mother. No, is I don't think it is because he then he just grabs he grabs her boobs. I don't think that any dude's gonna be grabbing his mom's boobs. No, but when he dies, spoiler alert, and they're talking at his grave, they said something about him spending his life chasing his mother. Ew. Yeah. Ew, dude, yeah. what the fuck? And then the other thing that makes it uncomfortable, which is a little bit less, but still high up on my uncom- uncomfortability scale, is this woman weirdly resembles um i don't know the name of the actress but she was like the stepmother in juno oh allison allison uh jenny i think the best reference point after looking at her entire imdb credits (laughs) is 10 things i hate about you she's the teacher that's trying to write the trashy romance novel heinous bitch is what's most (laughs) (laughs) i will say as we're talking about like the ma stuff did any of you get the vibe? I know that most of this movie is like steeled shots, like stolen shots. Is but it? Like, it? Yeah, it feels like most of this movie is just improvised in general. Like, I'm sure that they had like, okay, we need this set piece. We need to do this stuff. But like, there's so many scenes where it just cuts to dudes just sitting in the grass, just having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all they're all like yo man that's the last beer and give me that oh, beer oh you mean the dave's not here man thing that they were doing <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus he this man's been hoarding all the beer man <laughs> like, you know i i i have to 
just air air my grievance that I am I didn't hate this movie. You know, no, like I, I, I really expected to hate it. And um it was I knew exactly what it was, and you know, I think that Brian knew exactly what it was when he picked it. And um and anybody that likes it, you know, they kind of go in knowing what they're in for. Um and it's not I, I'm I'm not a connoisseur of Grindhouse or exploitation films um really all i know about them are from all i know about them is from documentaries because i like documentaries about genres of films that are are like um historically interesting but not necessarily something i would watch like that um what's the one about the uh women in amazon or um oh machete maiden yes Yeah, that was such a great doc. But um, again, that's not shit that I would ever watch myself. Those guys have literally produced three of the best documentaries about exploitation film, in my opinion. Because they did that. They did Not Quite Hollywood about... Oh, that was good, too. Yeah, oh, my about God. About the exploitation. And then their third one was uh, Electric Boogaloo. The oh, oh, yeah. Skit. So it's like they are just like three home runs to me. Yeah, who has that kind of, of batting average as far as like docs go? Nobody. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is one of those things where I think we've talked about this before, but there's like certain things where it's like I have more of an appreciation for than a like for. And it's like I appreciate what exploitation did from like a historical standpoint. Yeah. Because you're looking at like a very conservative time in film and a group of dudes just kind of giving that the middle finger and like being like, you know what? Give us our fucking X rating. Like we don't care. Well, that was like a selling point, you know? Yeah. So, like, there's something that I appreciate by it, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to enjoy every single one of them that I watch. But <laughs> No, and I sure don't want to, like, seek out anything else like Werewolves on Wheels. But I'll say that for the fact that this movie is at least one-third Satanic Rituals, um, they, were pretty, for you. <laughs> they were pretty fun. I mean, that's not, you know, PSA, that's not what actual Satanists do or act like. Um, we just you know petition the government now but <laughs> it's just different. but uh yeah I, I i had a good time watching the the rituals just because they were so ridiculously drawn out they're very cartoony yeah um, but I, in so, 1978 or whatever when this movie came out or was this 71 seven, oh, jesus um yeah. uh for for what it was, I bet that this was horrifying to you know prudish American like ladies, rich ladies clutching their pearls, being like, like oh. yeah. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that Rob Zombie sampled this, and I was legitimately floored that the audio that he sampled from this movie, uh, it's in this the song "Sick Bubblegum" by Rob Zombie, is the clip. Uh, we all know we're gonna die, baby. We're gonna crash and burn, which. I mean, makes sense, I guess, but I thought for sure when I read that he sampled this in one of his songs that it would be the woman yelling, why don't you rape me, Satan? Oh, God, yeah. I Megan heard that, and she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had the same reaction during that line because it doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie. Like, as much as this movie is, like, full of women just exposing their breasts and full of satanic rituals, the concept of Satan rape was never something that felt like it was heading in that direction, let alone someone actively requesting it from their boyfriend. So yeah, was, we're, we're kink-shaming this week, that's right. 
Yeah, that's how we do. Uh, but then immediately, <laughs> her and her boyfriend are murdered. Oh, so, so is it a vampire or is it a werewolf? Because there are two bites on the neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> I do love. There's. It's. It's such a shitty cheap effect, but the girl falls down and it's like that fake rubber eyeball with blood around it, love like it. just protruding out of her face. Loved it so much. I was like, ooh. This is my favorite part in the movie so far. They've only they only have two two practical effects in this movie, and that's one of them. Yeah. No, it's um. So I did, I have to admit that I uh I was watching the movie, but I for whatever reason I couldn't get it to work on Prime, so I had to watch it on Tubi, where it would go to like a commercial break every fifteen mm-hmm. minutes, which gets a little draining. So um I was I forget what happened, but they like went to a commercial break, and I got up to go to the bathroom. And it was a much shorter commercial break than normal. And I came back to credit. So I had missed (laughs) missed the werewolves on wheels portion of the movie and had to rewind it so I could see the actual part where it lives up to its title. Because as Brian told us when he first talked about it, for a movie called Werewolves on Wheels, there's approximately two minutes of werewolves being on wheels. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, incredible. (laughs) What do the the werewolves have to do with them and the satanic ritual because like from what i understand werewolves are not satanic i think it's just a oopsie poopsie coincidence right yeah there. like that's what that's what i you know it's an exploitation so they didn't really think it out but if i were to give this movie some logic they were breeding the woman to become satan's wife right yes so she yeah. was she was in transformation to become a demon a queen demon and the bikers kind of interrupted it 20 percent mm-hmm. through and i guess at the 20 percent mark is werewolf <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she became a werewolf okay well i'll accept that so confession i loved the music in this movie in like middle school and early high school i went into this very weird like vietnam era folk rock phase <laughs> Where that was like all I listened to, which is obviously why I immediately was like, Barry Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, like, I remember when I went to a show in Lancaster, I took a picture of the werewolves on wheels vinyl and was like, should I buy it? Like jokingly. And now I'm kind of bummed that I didn't because I was like, some of these songs were really good. Yeah. No, you you missed out. I mean, I'm sure if I went back to that same record shop, I don't imagine that people flocked over there to grab their werewolves on wheels vinyl. It might still be buried in there for its $40 price tag or whatever it was. Can I say my favorite character in this film? Sure. It is the gas station attendant who is not afraid of a gang of bikers and is just angrily yelling at them the entire time (laughs) the guy with no with no teeth or his teeth are like he's got such bad gum disease that his teeth have receded and they're almost falling out of his mouth yeah (laughs) and he makes them pump their own gas which doesn't sound too crazy if you're not in jersey um but they actually have to pump the gas to get the gas to then pump the gas which is i would be offended if i was them well have you never watched american pickers that's that show they were constantly looking for those um gas towers no i've never watched american pickers well i mean you're not really missing anything it was it was a fun thing for a while and then got annoying was that the wait that's the basis for the whole show they they go around america trying to find and buy up antiques you know like the vintage stuff and um 
one of their favorite things to find was D's nuts. Get, oh my God. <laughs> Can you cut that? Like, and I just mean me out of the entire show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Horror movie night is canceled. <laughs> was it worth it, Matt? You threw him off his rhythm. Uh, trust me though when i edit that it's gonna sound hysterical (laughs) (laughs) yeah fuck you man now i have to watch american pickers because he didn't get the chance to finish no you don't oh oh wait 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 you can because it's not like you are a a stranger to bad television mr i watched all 32 seasons of survivor where's the bad television that's good television (laughs) (laughs) There's one line that I need to talk about, and then, hey, mouse, give me a little head with my beer. And then the other line is, all you got to do is say your oobla doublas and chase some pretty little bride of Satan around the altar. That's going to be inscribed on my tombstone. <laughs> if only there was like an iconic song or score in this movie that you could kind of, because I'll tell you, I love the console crash stuff. I've always loved the console crash stuff. But I'll tell you the one thing that I do miss in the later console crash stuff is like oh, is it sound sound clips. The first album with all those sound clips, the the kickoff of Halloween with that like lock your door. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god, this makes me so stoked! I forgot I never told you this. So I was watching Halloween, um, maybe a year or two ago, uh, but it was a while since like the console crash album had come out, and. <laughs> I'm watching it and that part happens and I forgot that you sampled it in console crash. And I was like, what song sampled this? And I'm like, going nuts. <laughs> like, I'm literally like, I'm like some song started with this. It has to be a Rob zombie song. And I'm just clicking through every Rob zombie song that I had to like find the one that started with that. And I was like, well, fuck, I give up. And then it was like maybe two weeks later, I was working at convention and I put on our DVD that we used to have that had your cover of Halloween on it. And I heard that. I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah, I love I love sound clips, man. Well, yeah, I know, because you lived through the MySpace metal days. Oh, God, the best. Uh, I don't know if it's the best, but it's something. It's a movie. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I can I can go back to that if you want. I was just trying to be like a uh, like a respectable musician. But, you know, I can just go back to sound clips. Dude, sound clips in the songs, man. like especially the fucking. The have a nice day in the middle of the <laughs> of like, chopping mall. Chopping mall, like those are fun. They're fun. <laughs> Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references?
Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! All right, so let's talk double features. Brian, this was your pick. How about you kick us off? I think for a double feature, I would have to do uh, Werewolf in Washington. Werewolf on Washington. That's, uh, yeah, uh, that's actually, <laughs> I was expecting you to pick that. And I was like, if he doesn't pick it, I'm going to have to give him hell about that. But that was also a Brian pick. That was also yeah. very enjoyable. Yeah. Was it? I enjoyed discussing it with Chris. I don't yeah. know if I enjoyed the movie. Great movie. I think I liked Werewolf of Washington a little bit more than Werewolves on Wheels, but they're kind of on par for me in general. But uh, I like the I like the look of the werewolf in the nice suits <laughs> more than the bikers of werewolves. That's the one thing that shows maturity is when you realize <laughs> that the superior werewolves are just men with fur glued to their face and fangs. They're the best looking werewolves in my opinion. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess I kind of agree with that. But all right, so uh for my double feature, I want to say The Howling 4. It's either 4 or 5, but I'm going to I'm going to lean We did 5, four. didn't we? On no, we on did the show. Six. We did okay. 6. The That's the freaks. Yeah. So I think it's part 4 has some biker werewolves that pop up in it. The Howling 4, the original nightmare. Oh, God, what a stupid fucking name. Uh, yeah, so Howling 4, because there was a biker werewolf. And I'm going to go with Nocturna, because that is um, additionally quite a quite a very, like a really exploitative movie for me, like in my mind. That's the one where there's like the pimp vampires and stuff, right? Yeah. But if I was trying to like save my night, I would do Waxwork, because it's my all-time favorite werewolf. All right, so let's talk of our uh our what did we watch this week what exciting things do we have to look forward to or to tell people to watch in the meantime brian what's your uh what's your one i did watch wrist cutters oh man have you ever seen that before no no oh my god it is such a good movie i can't bring myself to watch it again but it's just amazing yeah, I really, I really enjoyed Risk Cutters. I suggest everyone watch it. I did think it was odd that uh, Amazon Prime, before I watched it, uh, the first person build was Will Arnett, who should have not been the first person build by any means, uh, because he's I in really it for like five minutes. minutes. It has no, to be it's not. It's not. It's it's the it's the what's it called? Like when you when you click on most it, famous. Yeah, like the, the, are you talking about the X-ray or whatever? No, not even the X-ray. It's just when you when you click on it, it says directed by starring. Huh. Yeah, it was very weird. I've never seen anything like that. And then there's a podcast I want everyone, you know, I, I I want to give a shout out to. So, unfortunately, last week one of my one of my close friends passed away, and she had this podcast that she didn't take seriously, which she should have, because it was a great name for a podcast. It was called. Punk goes pop culture, and it is just her and another friend talking about pop culture and music, and it's like just a feel-good podcast. There's no direction. It's just two friends hanging out, Um, so I think everyone should check it out and let Claire 
live on through the podcast streams. I like that. That's very sweet. Thank you. So I don't have anything that sweet. <laughs> I'll just say this because it kind of ties into everything else that's happening with the werewolves on wheels like time period uh scream factory sent me a blu-ray of monsters go home uh the first monsters movie it was the first time that the monsters were in color and it has a commentary track that's just rob zombie interviewing the actor who played eddie monster for the entire duration of the film what yeah and it's a it's a good blu-ray brian had texted me and was like should i get it and, like, Brian is a bigger Monsters fan than I am. Because I've never really watched the show. Like, I've seen clips of it, and I've liked it. But every time that I considered watching it when it was available on Netflix, I would, like, go on to the Monsters thing and then see, like, two seasons, 87 episodes, and be like, ooh, that's a big investment. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, like, back off of it. But now I really do want to, like, sit down and, and watch The Monsters. It's just cheesy comedy. It's it's not a great movie, but it's still just good, like, fun 70s ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah. Which one, uh, so so which came first, Monsters or Adam's Family? Adam's Family. Adam's Family. Adam's Family was a comic book strip. By or- Chaz Adams. And we collect Chaz Adams books and um ephemera in this house i just never so my my issue with the adams family is isn't even their fault necessarily it's just for some reason the adams family the laugh track is significantly louder than the dialogue so i just never could watch it there was a quote in the commentary track for monsters go home that i really really liked and it was eddie monster they asked him like you were on tv at the exact same time that the monsters were on tv like that the Adams family was on TV. Like, did you ever get frustrated with the comparison? And he said, no, the Adams family look like people, but they're actually monsters. And the monsters look like monsters, but they're actually people. Oh, I love that. All right. So Scott, how about you? What was the thing that you watched that you want to say, check it out? Well, I want to do a documentary and then I want to do a movie. Right. Um, so the documentary that Megan started, Megan is the documentary documentarian of the, of this household and um she was start she started watching something called the pharmacist on netflix Ooh. and it you guys know about it so good it was goddamn like i was enthralled and i'm not usually one for true crime stuff but it was just incredible it seems like if there wasn't a documentary and they just made a biopic i would say this is so altered you know like it's it's such an unreal story it's like okay this has been severely this must be loosely based on something that dude is insane yeah all right and then the other thing i want to talk about is rubber the killer tire i have so many mixed feelings on rubber and i've tried like three different times and i think it just would make a much better short than an actual feature length movie so that's what I thought. And that's why it took me, what, like six years to watch it. Five years, I think it's 2015. I was just like, there's no way that this concept can be carried for more than, you know, 30 minutes. Or, you know, or even just like a 15-minute piece. It actually is quite amusing. I really enjoyed the film. Um, it was not something that I would probably watch again. But it was really funny. It was just funny without having any lines, you know? It was just so quirky and weird. And I I like that 
I'm I would never call myself like a cinema I, like you know a lot more about cinema than I do, Matt. I, yeah. I mean, even Brian, you know more. Well, you're a videographer, so I know a lot of film history. Brian knows a lot more. Brian and Kyle are like on par for like actually acknowledging how difficult an editing technique or like a a camera shot is. Yeah, it's like they have theory. They understand the yeah. theory behind the the art form, and I don't. I I never would say that I am a person like that and i you know that's fine with me i just like to i like movies to just wash over me that's kind of my thing and um yeah sometimes it's a curse like it really affected my watch of uh the outsider mm. if you if you like what everyone's doing it's fine but if someone that you like makes a bad choice and they continue to do it it just affects your entire watch of something yeah well megan's the same way where she can't watch something and not try and figure it out um Mm -hmm. and i think that has a lot to do with just being an analytical mind and for me like i i would i would like to consider myself an analytical mind but i (laughs) just not when it comes to film i just want things to be explained slowly i was gonna say sometimes has a benefit because like i said with like something like 1917 like that is not a movie I would recommend anyone but someone who, like Megan, likes to figure out how something is done should watch because it really, like, the story means very little. Like, I asked my friend who had just seen it what she thought. She's like, I mean, it was cool, I guess, but I've seen that story before. And, like, I was like, oh, no, absolutely. I've seen that story a thousand times, but I've never seen it told in a continuous camera shot. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm trying to find where's the secret edit? Where's the like this? Where's that? Like, and thinking about how hard it would be to film 20 minute long dialogue, heavy walking shot and get it perfect. Like, like that stuff is fascinating to me. So like it works for me. Whereas like I could see you and Megan watching it and seeing it in two different ways where you're like, well, that was just a lot of dialogue and it was kind of boring and I don't like war movies, but her being like, Oh my God, look at the way that they hid that cut. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would say she's more about like the, the analytical mindset of, I want to figure out where the story ends. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I'm just like, Oh, I just, I just like watching people do things. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's because I want to turn my brain off. That's all. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. My, Um, my shots and edits are probably the same as it is with Scott. It for you is like the music in a movie, right? So like the score in a movie is I like to watch how things are done a, so I can learn and try to do it. And B it's like a good way to, to say very, very humble because when you're, <laughs> when you're uh, doing something that other people don't do, I see I'm in so many video editing groups where people just think that they're like God's gift to earth and they're great at what, you know, like, we're so talented and just watching any Hollywood picture and being like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not as great as I, as I sometimes think I am. Cause I have no idea how to do that. And even if I did, I probably couldn't pull it off. Back to rubber. Uh, my experience of watching rubber. <laughs> Brian, do you remember my experience? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. Cause I forgot this whole conversation that we have. That there was like this intellectual conversation. I forgot it stemmed from rubber. <laughs> from rubber. So Brian may not remember this because this was at the peak of Brian partying, but him and I were alone in the house for a weekend and he had like, not like a rager, but he had like maybe 10 or 15 friends over and they were like getting high and drinking in the back room. And one of them was like, let's put on rubber. And I was like sitting in the back room with them watching it. 
as each one of them slowly realized that they were too stoned or drunk to care about the rubber. <laughs> so eventually it just came down to me and his friend Eric just sitting alone in the back room watching rubber while they were all outside playing beer pong. That was the second time I, I must have put on rubber because the first time I even heard of rubber, <laughs> we were watching Hobo with a Shotgun, me and my friend Nick Johnson, and we were in the back room and we were just blowing lines and lines of coke the entire time. <laughs> and... And then it ended and it was an auto. I think it was on Netflix and Netflix was doing the auto plays because I think that was really the only streaming service around at that point. It put on rubber and we just started talking about conspiracy theories because that's what you do on cocaine. And then and that's it. <laughs> I don't remember anything. So I must have I watched it twice, apparently, and I can't tell you anything besides the first shot of the tire bouncing down a road. That's the only <laughs> thing my, my memory has. All right. Well. That was Werewolves on Wheels from 1971, as picked by Brian. And if you think that the weird low-budget exploitation stops here, boy, howdy, don't you, don't you <laughs> worry. We've got more on the horizon for next week. So, all of our social media is all in the show notes. It's HMN Podcast for damn near everything. Hit up our Patreon account at patreon.com backslash HMN Podcast. And... I mean, no, it's still a while away, but you can always email us suggestions. We're not going to do it until September, so it'll probably get lost in the mail. So pump the brakes on that at the very least. But we will be back next week with another episode of Horror Movie Horror Night. Horror Movie Night. Woo! Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.